This is Halloween. This is Halloween. 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 Anybody else want to sing or no? Because no. I love it. I'm not a loser. Six more I'm days no. till Halloween. Road. Is it six? It's next Tuesday, right? I don't know. Yeah. Six <laughs> more days till Halloween. It's six. It, yes, it's six days. Woo! Hello, everybody. <laughs> it's the <laughs> <laughs> um, LIS, you know, podcast. That's again. Me, Sophie, Elex. Oh, wait, I'm not Sophie. <laughs> I'm Alexis. Sophie's here and Greg's here. Yep. We should do an episode like that where we all switch personas. Can I please be Greg? <laughs> Everybody wants to be Greg. Um, so I'm going to start out today with a few announcements. Um, next semester, if anyone is interested, there is the English 390 class, which is major authors. It'll be covering um, Adrian Rich. And she's one of the most important. This is a direct quote this from is like, Dr. Jenny Mueller. This is like breaking news. We literally just got this email. So, <laughs> uh, one of the most important American poets and essayists of the past fifty years. In her critical writing, she was a pioneer in exploring the intersecting relations of creative imagination, gender, sexuality, race, and religious identity in literature. So that's pretty cool. Me and Sophie will be there. Yeah, and we looked it up in the catalog. You can take it multiple times if you're an English major because every semester it's a different author. And if you're not an English major or English minor or an elementary education major with an English specialty, (laughs) (laughs) um, you can still take the course. You just have to get instructor consent. So it should be really fun. Um, Nartie Mueller said we're going to read a lot of her poetry and critical essay work, which is pretty interesting yeah so if you're interested just um you know sign up for the class or email dr mueller to get more information on how to sign up for that class um also write for the mckendry review if anybody is interested um they're always accepting more articles um you can do opinion pieces reviews literally anything basically goes um and you can send those over to mck review at mckendry.com yeah it's super easy and it's also like for those of you who are writers it's a good opportunity to get some of your work out there on the internet because they run the review kind of like a blog so it's mckreview.com or dot wordpress.com i think it's dot wordpress.com but if you google it yeah it'll come up um and then final thing I will be there. There's a Anything Goes Poetry Slam slash Potluck tomorrow at the Lair. Um, tomorrow, 1026. And it's at 7 o'clock. I just thought I should, you know, clarify That's... the date. Um, I was just laughing because you said 1026. Yeah, October 26. <laughs> Sorry. I wrote this down because I'm official. And I try to be prepared this time for you guys. There's You're prizes, welcome. though, right? There is. Um, they are doing... It's like open mic for the first bit. Um, and then basically anyone is welcome to come. That you don't have to sign up. The second half of the competition is um, is the actual competition. And I think you do have to sign up, which it's E-M-I-A-H dot Williams 16 at McKendry.edu if you want to sign up you just email them and then yeah they're doing cash prizes 
and gift card prizes for second and third place. First place, cash. Second, third place, gift cards. So it's $2 to get in, and it's in the lair. Should be pretty cool. Yeah. I'm going to go. I love poetry slams. So Are you going to – you're not going to compete? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no. Greg? Probably not. <laughs> Greg might go too. So. I might be there, but I'm definitely not going to. We're here to support the arts. Yeah. I'm here to just support the arts, not participate in the oh, arts. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> wants to hear Cheerleader that. Cheerleader for the arts. Yeah, yeah. Um, so today's episode will basically be um, part book review, part like Q&A if Greg has any questions about the books that me and Sophie are reviewing because we love well, I love scary books, and then Sophie went out of her way for you I guys. I totally did. I took my kids to the library, and I was like, I'm going to grab a couple scary books while I'm here. And I was unprepared. It's, it's always okay. one of us. <laughs> it's fun. I don't like scary books, though. They scare I don't me. Either. I That's don't. the point. I, I like them. But, but I want to be shivering but, when I'm done. But every, I don't like, I like to be happy. No. <laughs> You can be happy with scary books. You're just going to be like really scared and not be able to sleep like the book that I'm reviewing. (laughs) Okay, so Sophie's got two books, so she's going to go first with one of them. Yeah. I'm going to go next, and then she'll read her, like she'll talk about her last one. one. Yeah. Okay, so the first one I grabbed from the bookshelf at Mascuta Public Library (laughs) Um, caught my eye because of the cover, honestly. It's... I don't know. It's kind of a cool cover. You know, it's funny. I always pick my books based off the cover as well. I do too. It's the best way to judge them. It is. I mean, I know it's a cliche. I know you say don't judge a book by its cover, but I'm always pulled in by a good cover. Dang. You're probably being <sighs> ironic right now, but I I legitimately choose books by the cover. I totally do. <laughs> and it always does me petty. Like, I always choose this beautiful book, and then I'm like, Sweet Jesus, this is not what I signed up for. Yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah. Can we can we talk about the cover then? So, so yeah. Describe it too. Okay. So I don't really know how to describe it. Well, it's big. So ben, there's I like think. a watercolor green all over, oh. and then there's like line drawing of London, basically. Um, and then there's a giant silhouette of a man with a top hat on the front, and it's called A Taste for Monsters. And it's about Abraham Lincoln. No. <laughs> in London. No. In London. Climbing Big Ben. No. Um, it's So it's called A Taste for Monsters, and it's by Matthew Kirby. Matthew J. Kirby. Sorry. Oh, it says he won the Edgar yeah, Award. Winner of the Edgar Award, which I'm not sure what that is, but um, I'm enjoying reading it. <laughs> I haven't finished it, but I'm about halfway through, and I am enjoying reading it. So it's set in London in... I can't remember the year, honestly. I'm really bad at it. Oh, London, 1888. <laughs> and um, so this is when Jack the Ripper is kind of terrorizing the city. Oh, my God, I love the Jack city. the Ripper. Yeah, so oh, the main character, her name is Evelyn, and she had some, um, like, phosphorus poisoning. So she's missing, like, half her jaw. So she's, like disfigured right Mm -hmm. so she's ashamed she wears a shawl everywhere and she ends up going to the hospital that saved her life to try to ask for a job because she's broke and poor and doesn't want to become a whore basically (laughs) and so she goes to the hospital and they give her a job to be 
the maid to Joseph Merrick, who I don't know if anyone knows his actual name. Like, I knew him by the elephant man. Yeah. Who's like, he's a real man who lived during this time period. He has these, like, um, deform physical deformities and he uh lived out the rest of his life in this hospital so the story is about these ghosts which are the ghosts of jack the ripper's victims they come to haunt the elephant man mr merrick that's true and evelyn like helps him deal with this basically but i really like it because it's like historically it's like historical fiction it's Kind of accurate. Yeah. So the the Mr. Merrick's doctor was his actual doctor yeah. in real life. And this guy comes to visit him, um, Professor Sidgwick, who actually, I'm not sure if he actually did come to visit him, but he was like a metaphysical expert of the time. During so it's time, kind yeah. of fun because, I don't know, I am like looking up all these things to find out if it really if it's is. it's real. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's cool. It's pretty cool. Like there was one scene where... Um, the first time she's helping Mr. Merrick, like, get to bed, he sits in the middle of his bed, and he's got, like, pillows all behind him, and he's, like, got his knees up to his chest, and he lays his head on his chest. And I was like, what? This is crazy. Like, he says that that's the only position he can sleep in comfortably. Well, he ends up, in real life, he died. They think he died because um, he was asphyxiated, because his head was so heavy <gasps> That he he finally just slept on his back and it killed him. Oh my god, that's crazy! So they made up a way. I don't know if he. I mean, if I just looked on Wikipedia. Slept like yeah, that or not? But the but author. That's pretty crazy. If he didn't actually sleep like that, he made up a way for him to sleep in. I thought that was kind of a cool little touch. Yeah. That's that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's a pretty cool book. So so is it? How's it? How's this? How's it get creepy? Tell me the. Oh tell me yeah. The goods. <laughs> so the creepy part is when. Like, the ghosts show up, honestly. Um, I'm trying to find... Man, I thought I had marked it. <laughs> Sorry. Another unprepared moment. I, I was actually prepared, guys. I have mine bookmarked. I'm very proud of you. But, like, I picked up the book, and I read, like, the first 90 pages the first night. Oh, for sure. So, yeah. So, it's so really it's, good. It starts it's off It's easy going, to get to. For sure. Definitely. Um, but, yeah. I will... I'm trying to find... I didn't Sorry. know if you had, like, a little tidbit that you wanted to read. I did, but I didn't mark it. <laughs> anyway. But, yeah, these ghosts come, and they haunt them. And one, the first one, um, so the ghost comes, and... Um, she stopped talking because she's looking I'm through sorry, the book at the same I'm time. I'm sorry. Um, the first one, so the ghost comes to haunt him at night at, like, 3 in the morning. And then the next day, Evelyn is with all the other maids in the hospital. And one of them is reading about, um, in the newspaper about the first victim and it's her, it's Polly. And so then this other one comes and she's like, the first one is like nice and kind and they can have a conversation with them. And then this other one comes in and she's like super like violent. Like she's terrifying. Yeah. It's really scary. So, um, yeah, it's kind of nuts. I don't know. It's pretty good. Side note, um, because Greg made me think of this whenever I said that I love Jack the Ripper. Does not a, does everybody not have like a favorite serial killer? Because I do. Me and my friends all have favorite serial really? killers. Yeah. yeah. Who's your? Is Jack the Ripper yours? Jack the Ripper is t- he's up there. Um, but no, I actually like. I don't know. Like, 
He's he's probably he's probably n- number one. He is. This is not normal behavior. It is normal <laughs> behavior. One of my friends, she did. Okay, so preface. We did this in high school. We had a criminology. Well, like a, I don't know, like a crime class. I don't know, law something. So we talked about um, like we had to choose a serial killer. And one of the serial killer that I chose was oh god, what is his name? Um, okay, he was kind of like a cult following. He had like a cult following. Did the helter is it the helter skelter thing? Nobody knows who I'm talking about. No, you guys don't. Know I don't follow serial killers. It's not a He's hobby. The American? Yeah. yeah. Manson. Wait. Charles Manson? Charles Manson. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's who I did mine over. One of my friends did hers over the dude that's like Hannibal Lecter. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, huh? I don't I don't know. Oh, so he like skinned women and he would wear their, their skin oh, as clothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she did hers over that and then one of my friends did hers over Jack the Ripper. So Okay, I, so I found, I found the part that I was going to read. Thank okay. you for stalling. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. I got your back. She knows me so well. Okay, so this part is, um, it's the second night that the second ghost has come to haunt Mr. Merrick. And so he asks Evelyn to stay in the room with him to like experience it with her, with him, because he's scared. Obviously, and she's the, this is the scary ghost. Yeah, like the this is the one. second ghost. So the first ghost has already come, and they've talked to her, and they've tried to like, um, like alleviate her suffering. I guess I don't know. So anyway, okay. So I'll just read a little bit. The door burst open as if kicked, and I nearly fell from my chair as a woman in black rushed into the room, wailing. Before I could recover myself, she was upon us, filthy fingers reaching, her high shriek deafening and unceasing, her mouth gaping. I covered my ears and shrank from her, which only brought her closer and closer until I could see the fissures in her tongue, her face as twisted a mask of fear as and torture as would be drawn on the cover of a penny dreadful. I wondered if she would snatch me, claw at me, or bite me with her teeth. Beside me, Mr. Merrick grabbed my arm and squeezed so tightly it hurt, but it reminded me that he was there. The ghost of Annie Chapman, the first, um, this is the second ghost, her name is Annie Chapman. The ghost of Annie Chapman had seemed to drag in a surging shadow behind her, but I realized it was a cloak she wore, which billowed as though she were wandering a windswept moor. On on she wailed at us without pausing for a breath, her her voice violent, and I felt buffeted and powerless against it, filled with its anguish to my utter extremities. Her mouth seemed to stretch over me, her eyes shot with red, her dark hair writhing in the same invisible wind as her cloak. And in the moment, I wondered if her voice alone could tear me asunder. I thought I heard a word in her screaming, or rather, a name. Johnny. That's creepy. <laughs> so they're trying to figure out who Johnny is. I love if it. If they can even help these ghosts. And obviously I haven't finished it yet, but I'm it's pretty so good. For this. I'm enjoying it. That is cool. Yeah. So, so as of now, you're probably a little bit, she's a little bit under like halfway through. 130 pages in and it's like 330 pages. Yeah. So close to halfway through. So mm. as of right now, halfway through, would you recommend? Yeah, for it? sure. Like I said, the first time I picked it up, I read like the first 90 pages. I just, it was really good. Yeah. Gets you from the beginning. <laughs> I might have to check that out. That sounds pretty yeah. cool. And it's not, I don't like scary books, so it's not like terrifying, but I mean, it's fun. It's a YA novel, so I don't know. 
Well, mine's yours. Technically, is I think it is actually YA. What? Yeah, that's the crazy part about it. It is. It is still considered YA. I found it in the young adult section of Barnes and Noble. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, it's uh right now. There's three parts to it. Um, and it's called the first part. The one that I'm going to talk about today is the Merciless. It's by Danielle Vega. And so basically, it's about these. This girl named Sophia moves to a oh, new town. That's my name. Oh my god! <laughs> Except you don't go by Sophia. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I'm glad so, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. So she moves to this new town, and it's like kind of like a small town. Whereas she's um, she's actually a military brat. Oh my god! It's what? you. I'm a military brat. Are you also Is this book about me? <laughs> Spoiler I I, alert. I don't think I can read this Spoiler one. Spoiler <laughs> Are you also possessed? <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, basically, what happens is that she moves in and she kind of, like, meets this girl named Brooklyn. And everybody kind of thinks that Brooklyn is super weird. Like, she's portrayed mm-hmm. as this, like, kind of goth chick. Um, and she's very, like mysterious but she's all at the same time she's like really nice Hmm. and then sophia meets these three girls who are like the popular girls the clique you know do they wear pink on wednesdays oh my god they totally (laughs) they are you know they're mean girls for sure and that was actually in a review that i saw they like said it was basically like mean girls stephen king meets mean girls basically so um, these girls used to be – one of them used to be friends with um, Brooklyn, the mm-hmm. the goth girl. Mm-hmm. And she basically has it in her mind that Brooklyn is possessed. So they decide to take it upon themselves to kidnap Brooklyn and perform an exorcism. So all of this, like, this, like, kidnapping you kind of, like, lead up to it is within the first, like – few chapters okay um so one of the main main characters um riley who's the like head head honcho of the mean girl she is you know what's that girl what what is the girl on on mean girls it's not regina, regina. It? yeah yes. she's regina okay <laughs> i can't believe you didn't remember that. i could not remember You're always saying i am who here has been personally victimized by regina George? yes oh my god <laughs> i don't know why it was not clicking but she's regina okay she's like super wealthy and all that stuff um so her dad has a um development like that isn't fully done like a housing development so they take her there and yeah, so I'm going to read this little creepy part from the book. I have a question first. Yes. So you said that they think she's possessed and they decided to do an exorcist. Yes. Are they, like, religious They are all? super religious. Oh, okay. oh, I forgot to preface this. Okay. This book does not look like it would be a terrifying oh, book. Yeah. Like, other than the fact that what is the symbol that's on there that, like, the star with the like circle? The Satan symbol. Yeah. The pentagram. Like, pentagram. other than that, it's, a, it's a hot pink cover yeah every single one of the covers like the second book is like a gold like a bright gold one the third one that i just finished is like that holographic holographic unicorn yes color so (laughs) they all look like super happy and they're gonna be like really great and then they're all possessed well (laughs) it's terrifying well here's an idea maybe it's not meant to be scary you're just (laughs) you're just a a wimp okay well Well, well, how about we're gonna see 
We'll see. We'll, we'll see. Okay, so at this point in the story, um, they have Brooklyn captured. Happy, yeah, as I said. And um, Sophia has, she's like not down for this. Like she's like, I did not sign up for this. I don't know what you guys are doing. I'm not super, she's not super religious. The other girls are very religious. Um, But she's like, I'm not super religious. I don't think that she's possessed. I think maybe she might have some, you know, some, some issues. We all got issues, but I'm not down to like tie her up and hang her for it, basically. Okay. So, I consider Riley's story as we make our way back downstairs. First, there was a skinned cat beneath the bleachers, and now a teacher. Could Riley be more be spreading more lies, or is this Brook, or is Brooklyn actually dangerous? Brooklyn's eyes are closed when we get down to the basement, but they flicker open at the sound of our footsteps. Back for more, she says. Riley, uh, Riley's expression hardens. She lifts a hand to the bandages on her cheek. Don't we have any more wine, she says. Grace pulls a new bottle out of the backpack and hands it to her. I expect Riley to smash it against the wall and attack Brooklyn with the broken glass. But she just twists off the screw top wow, <clears throat> and drinks, watching Brooklyn over the mouth of the bottle. The cell phone in her backpack vibrates, and Riley lowers the bottle of wine. All at once, it's like the air in the basement thickens. Riley pulls out the phone and taps the screen. She shifts her eyes up to Brooklyn. Pause. She thinks that Riley also thinks that Brooklyn has like been seducing her boyfriend. Oh gosh. Her very Christian, very celibate, virgin for life. Like promise ring. Yes, promise. promise. Purity ring. Purity ring. That's what it is. Yes. Um, She thinks that she's been seducing him. Okay. Back to. It's from Josh, she says. He wrote, Riley hesitates and every muscle in her body tenses. Needs some company? Any hope I had that this might be over vanishes. Riley tosses Brooklyn's cell phone and it skitters across the floor. She drops to her knees, straddling Brooklyn's bound legs. Whore, she spits and wipes a hand across uh, whips a hand across Brooklyn's face. Brooklyn's head smacks against the wooden pillar behind her. I cringe and look away, my gaze falling on the butcher knife half wedged beneath the backpack at Grace's feet. No one else seems to remember that it's there. Admit it, Riley screams. I shift my feet to the left, edging closer to the knife. Fine, Brooklyn shouts. She spits blood onto the concrete and stretches out her jaw. You want me to admit my sins? I did it, okay? I slept with your boyfriend. And now, and you know what the best part is? We'd come here to this house and we'd drink your wine. Ooh, okay. And he'd screw me on, <laughs> and he'd screw me on your sleeping that, bag. <laughs> yeah. Young adult. Um, right, right? Yeah, I don't know that it's young adult. Okay. Riley's face is empty, expressionless, like she didn't hear a word of Brooklyn's confession. Without even blinking, she slaps her again. I drop to the uh, to a crouch next to the knife and slide it out from beneath the backpack. Riley stands and starts to pace. Give me that, she says, stopping directly in front of me. Before I can say a word, Riley rips the butcher knife from my hand. Riley, I stand, no longer thinking about what's smart or what, or what will convince Riley I'm on her side. If Josh is what really sent Riley over the rails in the first place who knows what she'll do now i reach for the knife but riley holds it close to her side possessively come on she admitted her sin there's nothing left for us to do riley shakes her head that wasn't her only sin oh my god 
She crouches near Brooklyn again, <laughs> this time grabbing her hand. Hand me the Bible, Lexi, she says. Alexis doesn't answer her. Her glassy eyes are fixed on the far wall. Lexi, Riley yells, and, Lex- and Alexis flinches. Hand me the Bible. Alexis takes the Bible out from her backpack and passes it to Riley. Dirty sinner, she mutters as oh she sl- as Riley slides <laughs> the Bible underneath Brooklyn's hand, then spreads her fingers out flat on its cover. Brooklyn lifts her face. Black eyeliner seeps into the corners of her eyes and smudges around her nose. Her mouth is rimmed in blood. She tries to pull her hand away, but Riley holds it tight, pressing Brooklyn's fingers down flat with her palm. The po- she positions the knife over the tip of Brooklyn's pinky. You effing psycho. Oh my gosh. Brooklyn screams. She kicks and squirms, fighting against the ropes, binding her in place. Just let me go. Guys, help me hold her down, Riley, uh, Riley says. Alexis immediately r- moves behind Brooklyn and grabs her shoulder so she can't throw herself against the ropes anymore. Grace hesitates, then crouches beside Riley and grabs Brooklyn's wrist. Riley moves both hands to the knife. Okay, okay. I killed the cat beneath the bleachers. It wandered around my apartment complex, so I drowned it in my bathtub. Then I skinned it with the pocket knife I stole from the kid at school. Is that what you want to hear? Okay, we're going to go a little bit farther. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Riley presses... Oh. Riley presses down on the knife. There's a crunch as the blade slices through skin and nail and digs into the leather cover of the Bible beneath Brooklyn's fingers. My breath catches in my throat, and I clench my eyes shut so I don't see the tip of Brooklyn's pinky roll off the Bible and land on the floor with a sticky thud. Dun, dun, I like how dramatic you did that last little bit. Yeah, right? Right? And it's like, it's gross. That's really gross. Yeah, it gets really intense, and this is like... What's what's crazy to me is I had never been one of those people that was like, oh, possession, like, all right. And now I'm like, sweet Jesus, I might. <laughs> like, I feel like I have to watch out to from being possessed. Oh and God. I feel like I have to watch out from somebody thinking that I'm possessed and trying to, like, cure me because this stuff was crazy. Like, they beat her. They Ugh. try. They basically, you know, you're, yeah. you're supposed to baptize so they try to baptize her and all these things, and they wow. think in their mind that they're doing it. I don't really see how cutting off a pinky is part that's, of that. That's part of the but... torture. So oh, they're they're okay. basically um, – what they're doing is they want her to admit all these sins. Oh, okay. So one of them is that um, there's this cat that they find that's skinned underneath the bleachers at school. And they think she did it. And they it. think she did it. Wow. There's a teacher that had died the year before, and they think that she had something to do with it. They think that she's – cheating with Riley's boyfriend. She's seducing the boys in school. She's wow. doing all of these like sinful things. That's and nice, they're basically trying to get her to admit all of her sins. And in order to do that, because Brooklyn's like, I'm not giving up anything. Like you yeah. guys aren't going to really do anything. You're not going to win this. Like oh I'm God. just going to wait it out. And then she ends up like, they end up starting to beat her, cut off her pinky, all this stuff. Oh my goodness. What? terrible people why would they why would they stab a bible i thought they were christians <laughs> that poor bible it was it's how dare they it's a crazy and, crazy book and drink why were they drinking wine oh they were yeah that was one of the things they were it's, all like getting drunk during it's this the time. sacrament right? yeah 
Mm-hmm. Just kidding. They're, they're well, they're blessed it to God, by a feast, though. I don't know, man. They they think that they have holy water at one point in this. Wow. Like they they have like prepped this and have been planning this for months. Like you find out that they've been planning it for months. I was gonna ask you if you uh, carry around like a flask of holy water now. Um, no, but I'm like, let's salt, salt, let's salt everything. I'm a, you do know, I, I'm a diehard supernatural person. Do I supernatural, Greg. Once. Okay. Well, I'm like, I'm like, salt this. I hear something. Salt it. Grab some iron. Salt. Throw some holy water. Like whatever you gotta do, I'm gonna do it because between supernatural and these books. I believe in possession. Yeah. There's <laughs> so. a lot of like really creepy possession movies. Too. Yeah. Those yeah. ones really get to me. Like I don't like gory, scary movies. Like that's not scary to me. It's just gross, you know? Yeah. Possession movies are always the ones that creep me out the most. Yeah. And I think that's why this one really like scared me the most is it's kind of a mix. It's there's yeah. it's a lot of like thriller. It's one of those things. It's one of the books where you can't really find a good place to stop. Oh, okay. You just feel like you continue to read it. So yeah. the third book, when I got through that, you got you yeah, already know. You were up I read it in one night. I I it's like a three I mean, it's like three hundred pages or something like that, four hundred pages, somewhere around there. Um, and I started at like nine o'clock and I was like, Oh, I'll just read for a couple hours before bed. Yeah. Four o'clock in the morning, I was like Hello, I need everybody to wake up with me because I'm <laughs> afraid. Like I'm I keep me safe. I feel like this book just possessed me and I need oh somebody to help me cuz there's something in this room. Every Hilarious. creak, like there's like a a tree outside my window that sometimes will hit the side of the house. I was like that's the devil. <laughs> the devil, like obviously. <laughs> so yeah. I would definitely recommend it. If you guys like any scary books, um, definitely recommend this. Yeah. So. Sounds good. It's creepy. Okay. So the last one I had, um, we'll do real quick because we have class in like 10 minutes. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, I actually, I grabbed, while I was at the library, I also grabbed a Stephen King book. And it's one of his um, like compilations of little short stories, novellas. So the first one is called Night... It, the book is Full Dark, no, no Stars. And the first novella in it is 1922. And I actually... It was kind of weird because I wasn't going to read this because I started reading that Taste for Monsters book and liked it. But I was scrolling through Netflix and they just <laughs> made a movie. Like a Netflix just made a movie for this short story. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's no, Destiny. I have, I have to. to read it, right? No. So I started reading and I got about halfway through this one too. <laughs> I could halfway. I don't know a lot how you. I don't know how you read multiple books at once. I can't. Really? Do it. Yeah. I don't know. I have to dedicate all of my time to one book. Yeah, I mean, I do it all the time because of English too. So. Yeah, but those are different. Yeah. No, no offense to you guys. <laughs> I don't know if, if any of the faculty are listening to this. That's funny, <laughs> but um, anyway, so this book or this novella is about a. It's set in 1922. Well, it starts in 1922. And um, it's a letter that Wilfred Leland James is writing, and it's his confession letter. And he's writing it um, in 1930. So the story is the last eight years, basically. Okay. And um, the gist is his wife had a bunch of land, 100 acres of land that her father left her. 
that he wanted to add to his existing farm, but she wanted to sell it to like pig butchers, like a corporation, mm-hmm. like Walmart, basically. The Walmart of pig butchers. Yeah. <laughs> so he was pissed about so, this. So Walmart. Is yeah. What I'm saying. Pretty much. Um, he was pretty mad about this and she wasn't backing down and she was also not really a great person and he wasn't, I don't know. So to solve his problem, he decides to kill her. Dun, dun, dun. Obvious yeah. answer. Yeah. And don't follow our advice. He sorry. hides her in this like decrepit well that they only use for like slop water kind of thing. Like they oh don't even gosh. use it for people. And it's like half full. Like there's just the bottom is full. So anyway, well, they also have a 14-year-old son who he kind of forces to help him do this. And he's, like, manipulating his son into doing it. He calls um, himself – he has, like, an alternate personality almost, like, conniving man or something like that. I I think it's called conniving man. But, but yeah, so this little part that I was just going to read really quick because it's kind of foreboding and creepy – um, his it's the night that they're going to kill his wife. <laughs> and um, he's talking to his son, Henry, about whether or not they should do this and their other options. And his son was like, well, can't you just get a lawyer too? And um, Wilfred is like, I can't afford that, son. So um, so does his son yeah. know that he's going to kill? Yeah. <gasps> yeah. So he's basically been psychologically manipulating his son into agreeing with him. So he keeps pointing out these shitty things that his mom, sorry, crappy things that his mom keeps doing to him. And he ends up getting his wife like super drunk so that she like smacks Henry and he's like, all right, I agree. We have to do this. He's like, yep, we got to kill her. We got to do this. She's terrible. (laughs) She disrespected me. Now I got to kill her. (laughs) Basically. I mean, she did. Like she made some suggestive comments about his little sweetheart too. And it was like really weird. Oh. So anyway, so he's manipulating his son into thinking his way too. So, um, Yeah. So Henry says, uh, or I'll just read. He says he lowered his head, meaning Henry, the son. And I could see it's told in from Wilfred's perspective. He lowered his head and I could see tears dropping from his eyes to the hooked rug. Then he whispered, yes, but if I have to watch, I'm not sure I can do it. There's a way you can help and still not have to watch. Go into the shed and fetch a burlap sack. He did as I asked. I went into the kitchen and got her sharpest butcher knife. When he came back with the sack and saw it, his face paled. Does it have to be that? Can't you with the pillow? It would be too slow and too painful, I said. She'd struggle. He accepted that as if I had killed a dozen women before my wife and thus knew. But I didn't. All I knew was that in all my half plans, my daydreams of being rid of her, in other words, I had always seen the knife I now held in my hand. And so the knife, it would be the knife or nothing. I know. My goodness. Oh my we gosh. stood there in the glow of the kerosene lamps. There'd be no electricity except for generators in the Hemingford home until 1928 looking at each other. The great night silence that exists out there in the middle of things broken only by the unlovely sound of her snores. Yet there was a third presence in that room. Her in... in I don't know how to say this word. Ineluctable? Me neither. I'm not sure. Ineluctable? Quick, let's stop and grab a dictionary. Her ineluctable will, which existed separate of the woman herself. I thought I sensed it then, these eight years later, I am sure. This is a ghost story, but the ghost was there even before the woman it belonged to died. 
All right, Papa, we'll, we'll send her to heaven. Henry's face brightened at the thought. How hideous that seems to me now, especially when I think of how he finished up. It will be quick, I said. Man and boy, I've slit nine score hogs, hogs' throats, and I thought it would be. But I was wrong. Oh what? Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, my God. So they end now up killing her, and they throw her down the well, and then these rats come, and it's really creepy. I love Stephen King. It's pretty good. I just, oh, man. He's good. First time I read him, I was in fourth grade. Really? This is, yeah. Some kid in my class, his parents let him read Stephen what? King. So he was like, hey, you want to read this? And I was like, yeah, that looks really awesome. So I read my first <sighs> Stephen King book in fourth grade. What was it? Do you remember? No, I do not remember. But he still to this day, like he like throughout like high school and stuff, he loves Stephen King. He like read it all the time. So I like the Stephen King books that aren't necessarily like supernatural. Like this is kind of realistic. Like he actually just murdered his wife. Like you know what I mean? Like the other one that I read by him that I really liked was um The Long Race or The Long Walk. Oh yeah. I've I've heard of that one. I've heard of it. I haven't read it. I, I haven't read it either, but I've uh, it's on my long to read list because I yeah. think the um, uh, the setup is just so interesting. Yeah, it's like these preteen to teen boys, uh, and they're like forced to walk like this long race, and if they stop, then they get shot. Like it's kind of nuts. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like uh, the huh, in high school I was <laughs> a uh, Hunger Games fan. <laughs> Uh, so it kind of I was looking at other stuff similar to like uh, the Hunger Games or like Battle Royale yeah yeah yeah, and it's pretty good I would like to see them make that a movie I wonder if they have that's what I was kind of whenever you before you said that I was like that kind of reminds me of Hunger Games like kind of you're not killing each other right like they're not killing I don't know I don't think that they're killing each other, but I like so. I think that they're like still. They just have to walk. Just yeah, just, just walking. Somebody forever. has to be the yeah. winner. But but yeah. it's the idea that it's a it's a post-apocalyptic game that they're being made to play and they're putting the lives yeah. in the line. Yeah, world. yeah. Like obviously, the I don't think they want to play it. No. Yeah. So I think just that aspect. Nobody's volunteering as tribute. I don't know. It's so. pretty good though. But Stephen King is a classic. Oh, for sure. So shout out to Stephen King. Woo. Shout out to Matthew Kirby. Kirby. J. Kirby. Matthew J. Matthew, Kirby. Oh, sorry. Matthew J. I mean, Kirby. it's on there. You must want it. And shout out to Danielle Vega for these great reads that we got to enjoy. Yeah, we hope you check them out. Yep. Um, I will put them in the description as well so that you guys can see and, you know, check it out. So, yeah. All righty. We hope you liked it. We'll try to come back for one more spooky one before Halloween or on Halloween. But yeah. if not, we'll be back in November for sure with something else. Yes. Yes. Woo! I don't know what spooky one that we're going to do if we do I don't one know. next week. but I don't know either. Yeah. We're going to try to get one on Halloween. We'll so. see. All righty. Woo. Check out the McKendry Review. Check out PW, or, uh, not PWR. English, uh, English 390 Major Authors and... Go to Anything Goes Poetry Slam Potluck tomorrow, October 26th at 7 p.m. 10.26. 7 p.m. in the lair. It sounds like a time. That's why I laugh because yeah. it sounds like you're saying it starts at 10.26. That's a weirdly uh, specific time. I know. I know. <laughs> I don't know. Whenever I, I never write. I always say the date, like the numbers, yeah. rather than saying like October because I'm like, oh, yeah. what is 10? Yeah. <laughs> 
What is death? <laughs> I don't have I don't have room in my brain for those things. Oh my gosh. That's useless information. That's hilarious. Alrighty. All right. Space. Woo. Have a great Halloween if we don't talk to you. Yeah. Be safe. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.